Hi everyone, my name is Hannah. My pronouns are they, them. You are once again listening to a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. Episode 51, which feels weird because, you know, we've passed 50 episodes without me doing anything special about it, which was kind of deliberate. Like, I didn't feel like 50 is important enough to do something. Talk to me again when we've reached 100 episodes and we'll do something special uh, as, soon, as soon as we get to that point. I'm surprised we've reached 50 episodes this quickly, uh, especially considering you know, when I first started out, it took me about three months um, between episodes just because of life and work and uni and whatever. But here we are. And for episode 51, we are continuing our tour throughout Europe. Um, we've talked about Finland and Estonia in the last couple of episodes. And today, our wonderful journey has landed in Austria. Hi there, Dominic. How are you doing? Hey, nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm fine. Thanks, you. Um, what are your pronouns, just for the people listening at home? Uh, my name is Dominique Maas. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a trans woman. We're going to talk about your work a lot. and But first... I want to start with like a little bit of a little bit of casual banter. I didn't even notice this before, but um, even on those uh, on on your Instagram profile, you're you're one of those famous self-proclaimed uh, nerdy girls. How uh, what 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 type of nerd would you describe yourself? Yeah, of course, I'm a little bit nerdy, uh, <laughs> so guilty for that. Uh, I like uh, playing computer games, uh, video games. I grew up uh, with Nintendo and all the stuff, so I really like these kind of things. So, yeah, actually, you can call me a nerd. So, um, you being a, a a true gamer girl, what what what's your favorite Pokemon? My favorite Pokemon, uh, it's of course Shiggy. <laughs> Who? Uh, in German, it's oh, called. Oh, that's Shiggy. right. In German, yeah. they're called. They've got different names. Yeah, we have different names for the Pokémons. <laughs> okay, so so which one is it? It's it's the blue one. I don't know what it's in English. Uh, Squirtle, the the starter Pokémons from the blue edition. Okay, Squirtle. Okay, 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 okay. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I think he's really cute. And he's he's fun to play. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Uh, what's his name again? Shiggy. Shiggy. Yeah, in German, it is Shiggy. <laughs> As in short for Schildkröte? Uh, yeah, some kind of. Yeah, it's 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 like a nickname for a turtle. It could be. <laughs> oh, that's so cute! A little nickname for a little turtle boy. Oh, that's so adorable. Any any other any other favorite games you you feel like you should you should call out? Yeah, of course. Shout out. I really like to play uh, Super Mario Smash Brothers uh, on the Switch. There also came out uh, new characters and all the stuff, so it's really fun to play with friends. Uh, and of course, I really like uh, playing StarCraft. So yeah, it's a really hard game, but I really like it. It's November now, or well, it's October. We're we're approaching the season where a lot of new games get dropped. So is your is your bank account happy with you right now, or is it not that bad? Uh, luckily in Austria, um, you get, uh, when it comes to Christmas, when you're working, you get, uh, extra money, uh, for working, um, through Christmas. So that helps a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think I'm going to buy some new games and yeah, my bank account, uh, will definitely not appreciate that. Any particular releases you're looking forward to? Uh, yeah, on a Switch. Hopefully it comes out uh, this year. Uh, it's a remake of the House of the Dead. It's a uh, car shooting game, so it's really fun. And you can play it with friends, so 
hopefully it comes uh, till Christmas. All right, cool. This is a music podcast, so let's actually play some music. First track of the day, L'Amour Toujours, Gigi D'Agostino. Dance classic, um, Gigi D'Agostino, La Toujours, released 2000s. Um, I feel like we're in the US, you've got Jock Jams. Uh, in Europe, we've got Euro dance tracks that are being shouted by a bunch of uh, testosterone filled people um, shouting along to this melody. Like, it's such, a, it's so easy to sing along to, and I feel like it, it strongly invokes a, a sense of sports ball with me i've never been to a football game or any kind of sports match ever but that's just kind of the image of god um, is that also why you picked this uh track dominic um i've never ever related it uh, to sports um I have oh been... thank god i don't have to talk about sports today <laughs> yeah. so i'm also not that into sports uh but uh, i have been to a football stadium and watched some games but i've never ever heard this song in a stadium so, but as you as you said uh, correctly, yeah, everyone can uh, chant and sing to this song. So it's 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 very simple. So everyone can uh, get connected to it easily. I know this song is cheesy, but I think it describes uh, this period of time really, really good. Yeah, no, and, and that's it's kind of surprising um, because this is such a popular club banger, especially from around, you know, two thousand to nineteen ninety nine. And then you go and pick it because of the romantic lyrics. That's such a left turn. And I'm digging it. So uh, I uh, did see when, um, if, if we're going to bring up the sports, did you, do, did you do some boxing? Was that a professional thing? Because I've seen you with boxing gloves on your Instagram. <laughs> no, it was uh, just backpacking a lot through Asia. And I have been to Thailand and uh, there I visit all these uh, Thai boxing schools and all the stuff. And uh, yeah, it was just just like a promo training uh, and some kind of tourist trap, I think. And it was exciting to see uh, all the people there training really, really hard and all these matches. I mean, it's really brutal. It's really brutal. But uh, yeah, it's also really interesting to see the, the, the culture behind all the stuff and this, this Thai boxing community. And it's already interesting because there was a story in Thailand uh, because a famous uh, Thai boxer, um, he outed himself and he transitioned. Um, and yeah, it was also a really interesting story. 
So yeah, um, allow me to read the caption. Um, it's 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 you basically um, before and after transitioning. So with the caption, I am still a fighter, but I don't fight against myself anymore. Kitschiger Spruch, aber 100% wahr. So you know, it's a kitschy kitschy quote, but 100% true. I've got a sense that you just like kitschy stuff. And you always you're always apolog apologetic for it, but you never refrain from using kitschy stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 a little bit difficult because uh, on the one hand I really like kitschy stuff because it's 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 romantic, it's nice nice to believe in things, and on the other hand um, I can be a very sarcastic person. So um, yeah, this this these are the moments where I like kitschy things, and I think there has to be a place for kitschy things in life. So. Um back to the music uh i figure l'amour toujours isn't the first track you uh you've actually heard like what's what's your general musical upbringing for example do you remember like one of the first songs that you that you actively remember listening to um so i grew up my parents uh, or my family um we run a theater in vienna it's just a small theater so i spend a lot of time uh, in theaters in vienna and also um i watched a lot of musicals so yeah i would say the first remember um, remembrances of songs where the, the the musical songs especially uh dance of the vampires in german tanz, tanz der vampire uh the musical from roma polanski and yeah there were great great songs and these these are my, my first childhood remember remembrances what what happens in between because you know between polovsky and Gigi d'agostino there is a there is a huge spectrum of other potential music you might listen to how did you how did you go about discovering teen music as like a as a kid slash teenager yeah i mean um, so i grew up uh in the 90s and 2000s um so there were not these uh, just the beginning of this uh, internet uh, swapping music things so uh, we just had a really um, hard copy cds um, buying albums and all the stuff and it come up that you can um, burn cds and all the stuff and change music um, so yeah i'm one of these uh, old school kids <laughs> ah yes the old school cds remember those um but then you it's it's a means of reproducing music and spreading music but then you, there is still the most important part missing being what kind of what kind of music do i burn onto these cds like what what happens there yes yes uh, it was always a really big challenge because uh, you didn't have that much space on the cd so you have to choose wisely and never ever underestimate the power of a good playlist or a good cd or a good track so yeah, I, I always tried to to mix things up, um, and yeah, Chichi D'Agostino was definitely uh, on on my burn CD. So what uh, other artists and songs would you mix Chichi D'Agostino up with? Uh, of course, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I think yeah, they shouldn't shouldn't be missed uh, on a, on a good track. And oh, it's it's always so hard to choose because there are that many great and good artists. Um, yeah, maybe also um, Beastie Boys. I think they should also be missed on a on a good track. So Gigi D'Agostino, a um, a a club track. Were you big into clubbing back in the day? I was young at that age, um, but yes, of course, it was like my first experiences is uh, going out in Vienna. 
Um, especially this track uh, relates to uh, event series in Vienna. It was called uh, High School Party. Uh, it was an event series uh, which took uh, place uh, in a city hall. And it's really cool in Vienna that you can make party in a city hall. For example, the, the, the whole live ball started uh, in, the, in, the, in the city hall. So it's really, really cool. And yeah, this, this Gigi D'Agostino thing, it was uh, quite big. And I think a few years ago, uh, he wanted to make uh, make a concert in Vienna, just like like one concert, and it was really really sold out. So there are a lot of fans uh, out there, and they seem to still like the old classic uh, hymns from him. So is it is it still something you listen to now, like just on a regular Monday? Like, hey, I'm gonna listen to some Gigi D'Agostino. Uh, it really depends on my mood. So when I listen to music, it depends on my mood, what I like to listen and what not. But yeah, sure, it's a song where you can get easily hyped. And it's also a song um, you hear sometimes on the radio or on a party or something like that. So it always brings up good memories. So just dancing and feeling free and being young and all this stuff. I, um, I like how this is all in line with what you said earlier about how you shouldn't underestimate the power of a good playlist. Um, I mean, me being the music nerd, I'm commonly left in charge of the playlist at parties. It's like uh, either as me being a music nerd or me being an introvert. It's like, yeah, you go, you go mingle. I'll go make a playlist because then I can just look at a phone and people won't judge me for it. But yeah, Gigi D'Agostino, all of that '90s, 2000s Eurodance stuff, it it still does get people hype, right? I mean, it's definitely kitschy. It's definitely not something that would be considered high brow or like good quality music but as soon as you put them some Gigi D'Agostino or some Hadaway for that matter or some Snap people will go hard to it are, are you also that type of person for your friend group yes of course of course and I think a lot of uh, people around me are, are checking the same and uh, as you can see um, the company so that's that's maybe not the so bright part they know how to use these emotions or for example uh, take uh, nintendo who are making uh, retro games and retro stuff um, think about this uh, retro parties so you have 90 parties or millennial parties and all the stuff so yeah we like to bring back these memories it's it's yeah it's it's nice yeah people are a sucker for nostalgia aren't they yeah true you're bringing on point <laughs> Um, are are you you know living in romantic classical Vienna also a a sucker for nostalgia in general or is your local surroundings not that important for what you do who you are and how you live your life? Um, I think what I most like about Vienna that you have a big part of what is history and you also have the kitsch you have Schönbrunn you have the inner city and all the stuff but you also have on the other side uh, modern things you have international things and all the stuff and I think it's really important uh, to combine those things and take the good parts of it. Um, but yeah, as I said, you have to be aware that, for example, this whole kitsch thing um, connected to tourism, that you don't have over-tourism and all the stuff. So it's also also a topic and, and also a problem in Vienna. Yeah, I would say that the people don't really want to live uh, in some kind of Disneyland. So, for example, if you look in the inner city, um, you really have a lot, a lot of tourists. So it, it can be a problem because for the locals, it can get be annoying when there are so many people around but on the other side uh, it's cool when people are liking in uh, Vienna and it's also good for the economy when you have a lot of tourism going on 
Yeah, I've heard similar complaints about Amsterdam, like people complaining about the constant drone of like roller suitcases going over the sideboard, uh, the the boardwalk. Um, I've actually been to Vienna once. I liked it. It might be one of my favorite cities in Europe, but I'm not entirely sure why anymore. And it's it's been a it's been a hot second. You what what would what would make your experience living in Vienna different from you know living in for example uh, the Netherlands or the U.S. Like what would what would specify your local scene? Um, I think in Vienna we are really related to the city. Um, I think because we are really proud of our city and um, also about the the, the socialism so, socialist thing. Um, like uh, social housing, so in Vienna it's called Gemeindebau. So uh, we think this is this is really special for Vienna and a lot of other cities. Uh, and we um, our concept and our political, um, yeah, stable um, city. So I think that's that's really interesting and unique about Vienna. So how does that um, specifically work in Vienna? Because um, as we're going to talk about later, you're like part of like some uh, part of municipal. Uh, municipal council, but Vienna has like these these specific constructions with like different uh, districts, right? Could you could you elaborate a little bit about that? Yes, of course. So in Vienna, we have uh, social housing, and it's spread uh, over the the whole uh, twenty three districts. And uh, as you said, so every every district in Vienna has its own municipal council or like district parliament. Uh, so it's also really important uh, to work close with the with the people and uh, what what are their demands and what are their needings, and especially housing is a big big issue in every major city because the rents are going up and it's really difficult for families. So we also have these problems in Vienna, but uh, we build a lot of uh, social housing. For example, um, Seestadt. Um, it's uh, near uh, the the twenty second district and it's the largest development. Uh, of a new city era in whole Europe, so it's a really really cool thing. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking at a, at a at a little map now. Looks like um, Vienna is parted in seven different sections, and then those sections in, in itself are once again divided into different um, districts. So yeah, it's, uh, it's I'm still not entirely sure what would make the um um uh, the viennese system different from say what they've got in paris or um or or rotterdam for example yes of course you have similarities uh, but the unique thing is that the city um is the owner of all the, the the social housing if you compare it to berlin they have a lot of problems because uh the social housing system uh, was sold to private companies and all the stuff so also the public transport system and so i think yeah these things in vienna are really 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 cool to see and every major city has their own unique unique cool things all right before we dive too deep into um whatever uh, the 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 social housing crisis is um, I mean it's very interesting important subjects of course but not the subject I feel like talking about today um, so let's move on to a different track uh, David Bowie Space Oddity a wonderful wonderful classic here we go ground control to Major Tom 
ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Sing countdown engines on Three, two, check ignition and may God's love be with you. So myself, I'm currently more into a station-to-station Bowie mood. Um, it's it's that, that that's more the album that I've been binging recently. Um, why did you specifically go with uh, early Bowie? Um, yeah, because I discovered uh, David Bowie really late in my life. So as I mentioned, when I was young, growing up, uh, going out, trying to go to clubbing, I was not out, so I never ever experienced the queer clubbing or queer artists or queer music. Um, so later on in my life, um, so I discovered David Bowie and uh, yeah, especially the song uh, Space Oddity. Uh, it just touched my heart and um, I really liked to listen to this song uh, when I felt, uh, felt lonely or all this stuff because when you imagine in the song when he describes about uh, the universe, the stars and uh, being so small uh, compared to the whole universe so yeah then your own plot problems uh, maybe see, uh, seems to be a little be a little more less um, big than compared to the universe i'm i'm kind of intrigued by how you use an existential crisis as a way to you know talk down your own your own problems kind of in a way it's like there's there's like do you also experience it as the world is so big, therefore my problems are not that relevant. Yes, exactly. True, of course. I think because there is so much more things to discover and you're sitting there in a pity and you're, you're angry or you're sad about things and all your problems and when you know, then you're thinking about the universe, it's so, so big, there is so much to discover and we are so little compared to it. Um, and yeah, I think... For, at least for me, it gives it gives a good feeling and not that kind of creepy that uh, nothing means anything. So I think yeah, you have to keep that in mind. So you know, to I I, I really need to turn this around in my mind because usually when I'm thinking about my own problems, I'm thinking okay, I'm feeling about I'm feeling shit because of this one thing, and then oh my god, why am I feeling so shitty about this one thing to me personally? 
because there are bigger issues at play, which then usually feel that leaves me feeling overwhelmed. Like I'm already feeling shit about my own personal problems, but there are even bigger things that make me even feel worse. Like I'm so impressed that you're capable of um, talk of 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 rationalizing your own your own problems in that way. Um, are there are there other songs that like particularly help you um, like find your peace in that sense? Um, as I said, I also like this kind of happy songs like Le Mou Toujours, I also like this uh, melancholy songs like Space Oddity, um, but I think also one really special song from David Bowie is uh, Let's Dance. So it's also this um, playlist song you can pick, you can play it every party and the people will get happy and sing to it and dance to it. So I think it's also a good song. Um, when you when you when you when just feel bad you turn it on and you immediately feel good and that's really great about music um between let's dance and space oddity what what made you pick one over another um because i picked uh, space oddity because this was the moment where i experienced much more queer artists and i think for david bowie um it describes him and his music and his artists um much much more precisely than than let's dance so i like more much more the the yeah thinker david bowie and not just the, the pop music artist or something like that yeah i mean if you're going to work together with nile rogers then of course it's going to be more of a dance hit and not as much of a introspective philosophical a philosophical type of thing um speaking of philosophical questions um, does music influence the way you experience gender? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure about this. But as I said, gender is a spectrum, <laughs> and music is a spectrum. So maybe you can compare these uh, these these two kind of things. So, for example, um, uh, does do do you do, does um, for example, let's dance make you feel different um, gender wise than than space oddity? Mm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that because because I think certain feelings shouldn't be uh, combined with a certain gender or a certain gender feeling because you always have like this prejudice that uh, men can't cry or feel uh, sad emotions. They always have to be strong, and for women it is allowed uh, to 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 listen to kitschy music and to sad music and all the stuff. So I think it's it's not about that. It's not linked at all. So just just listen what 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 you like and I think it's also in the gender spectrum. It's 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 a spectrum and you have to find your own taste, you have to find your own feelings uh, in the music and in the gender. So yeah, I think this this is the most important thing. All right, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Um but then I guess my personal experience lines up with you know, reinforcing stereotypes. Because when I listen to the Spice Girls, absolutely I feel more feminine than when I listen to, like, I don't know. I'm looking for, I'm, I'm looking for, like, a, an example, but can't come up with, come up with one. That's probably not important. Maybe it's also, also the, the, the settings and the feelings when you're listening to first time to songs. So that's, that's the reason why it's connected. And it's also a, a social thing, uh, which, which people are listening to, to, to which music. So yeah, it's always interesting to, to look very closely about this part. So moving on to something, something else, you, um, are 
someone who crowdfunded your own transition um that that must have been that must have been hell what were your experiences yeah um so of course there were some some good parts um because it's it's really hard uh, when you set up uh, such such a thing a crowd funding thing but um for trans people it's really hard uh to to fund their transition because nowadays uh, it's still a problem that the insurance is uh don't cover all the costs from a trans transition, so it's really hard. And I'm a political activist and working uh, as a member of uh, the, the district parliament, so I'm I'm not um, a big big spender or, or such a thing. So yeah, it's really hard when you um, seek out for help and all the stuff. And uh, just also got uh, a lot of negative um, comments and all the stuff, but uh, from family and friends also positive. Uh, um, yeah feedback so this this was really important what how did you how did you manage to um even get the get the word out there because like i can i can post something on my personal instagram or twitter right now i can bet the amount of money that comes from there is rather limited yeah you have always the the, the problems about social media it, media it's an artificial world you have uh, this uh, weird algorithms and all the stuff so what people can see or not see so yeah yeah it's it's it really it's really really hard and and, and confusing but uh, luckily um, I managed to, to to reach the people just to try to being authentic uh, to trust uh, showing the people yeah no matter what um, just just try to be to be yourself and maybe inspire some of the people so yeah um, but it's re it's really hard for for not that big famous people to to reach attention at social at social media. Yeah. So um, the the idea of fundraising a transition um, it it it's always inherently connected to the U.S. in my in my thoughts because you know um, that's that's the one country that's notorious for their horrible healthcare. And I was really surprised to hear that it also happens in our in in, in in Europe because I don't know if it's a misplaced sense of cultural superiority or if it's a or if I'm just overestimating how how inclusive most governments are. Um, so what's 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 your take on the current state of Austrian government? Uh, to towards trans people, I think all over the world you have a lack of of transgender healthcare, and yes, of course, the situation in the U.S. is uh, much worse than than in Europe. Uh, but if you compare the U.K. to the U.S., the situation also in the U.K. is is, is really really absurd. So you have a waiting time so to see a therapist about three to four years. But if it comes to, to Austria, yeah, we have uh, basic healthcare uh, for for trans for transgender people. Uh, but the problem is uh, that not everything is covered uh, through insurance. You also have uh, long waiting lists and you also have to, to pay a lot of out of your own pocket. So that's the problem. And due to COVID, um, we have the problem that before COVID, the situation was, was really tight uh, in the in trans healthcare in, in Austria and especially in Vienna. Uh, but uh, because of COVID, uh, they had uh, to delay uh, medical surgeries or cancel medical surgeries and treatments and all the stuff. So it's really, really getting getting worse. And uh, yeah, I'm also a political activist and I also try um, to, to 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 help and connect uh, um, political members and and the 
um, the medical services together that um, they can build up much more competences and much more resources. But yeah, due to COVID, uh, it's a really, really big issue. So not only in Austria, it's also a big issue in Germany and in many, many other countries because there are not that many experienced doctors. And yeah, in, in the healthcare systems, there's always a lack of money and financial resources. So yeah, it's going to be a big, big challenge. Um, is is that also why you became a political activist? Um, yes, of course. Some of my experiences in my life uh, made me a political activist. And especially uh, when you're trans, um, you're faced with the system, you're faced with the bureaucracy, uh, changing um, your ID, um, your birth certificate. Um, so you're confronted with all this really absurd uh, bureaucracy. I don't know if you know uh, Asterix and Obelix, Passierschein uh, A38. So it's like a German quote when you're uh, saying about uh, absurd bureaucracy system. And, and it's, it's really like that. And in Germany, it's even worse. And um, when you see that, you want to change the things uh, that the people don't have to suffer anymore. Um, which then in turn, why, um, why did you specifically sign up for the, uh, the party you're, uh, you're with? So the, the SPÖ? Yeah, um, my family was never ever in, in, in touch with politics and all the stuff. Um, but uh, I was working in, in the future of my family and was also working in some future and cultural projects and all the stuff. And uh, this was the first time why I got uh, connected uh, with local politicians uh, to help set up cultural projects and all the stuff. And there I got in touch uh, with some uh, social democratic uh, politicians. And I had a lot of prejudice, you know, about all the, the parties and all the stuff. Um, but um, yeah, I was really happy to see UK there. They're cool people. But I hesitated uh, to, to, to become a member of, of, of a political party. Uh, but after 2015, the whole migration crisis and all the stuff and the rise of the, the, the populist and, and the far right, uh, I told myself, okay, now I have to do something. And uh, there were a lot of uh, social democratic politics who stood up, stepped up and, and said, okay, no, we want just to do something because the far right, all this propaganda about uh, yeah, bad migrants and all this stuff. So yeah, this, this was the point where I joined the party. That made it sound to me like you specifically joined the um, the SPÖ not to fight for trans rights, but to fight against racism. What's uh, what? How how? Wh when did the focus shift? Um, I don't think that the focus shift because I think these topics are really connected to each other. Because um, if you're hearing people talking about migrants, you have uh, the prejudice like uh, they're weird uh, and all the stuff. And you also have some kind of same prejudice about trans people. So, so I think it's really important to show the people that um, it's, it's a political system to, um, to fight against uh, marginalized uh, groups like trans people or like migrants. And the big, big problems are elsewhere. The big problems about capitalism, about the lack of social housing, a lack about health care. So these, these topics are really connected to each other. And it's really important for us to make the people out there clear that when we're talking about trans rights, we're also talking about unions, minimum wage, uh, fair wage and all this stuff. So they are connecting together. And that's the reason why I'm a member of the Social Democratic Party in Austria. Does everyone agree within the party? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. So um, we set up um, 
like like a network uh, with members of the of the Austrian Parliament, um, with NGOs, um, trans healthcare actors, and all the stuff. And uh, we made up a program uh, for trans, inter, and non-binary people. And we were really, really lucky that uh, we managed to set um, this proposal up uh, for uh, new laws, um, especially in the Legal Gender Recognition Act. And uh, yeah, that we are now the first party in Austria who have um, a good program for trans, inter, non-binary people. So I think it's, it's, it's really revolutionary. But yeah, of course, we also had fights in our own party. Um, maybe, for example, if you look to, to Germany or to the UK, so Labour, they also had big fights going on when you're talking about uh, trans rights and feminism and all the stuff. So it's really, really a hot topic. But I'm really, really glad that we managed uh, to discuss this uh, on, on, on eye to eye um, and, and yeah, to, to uh, put out all the concerns. So yeah, but it was, it was hard work. I'm starting to sense a pattern every time um, we're talking about an issue that you're dealing with within the party or, you know, something that's politically important to you. You keep pointing to other countries like Germany and the UK by, uh, to, to, to draw a comparison. But it's actually way more interesting to talk about your own personal experiences. Like, could you, could you, could you, could you go on and tell some anecdotes about, you know, discussions that you've had with colleagues within the SPÖ? Um, yeah, I like to mention other countries because then I realized that the situation is not that worse in Austria compared to other countries. So for myself, it's a little bit <laughs> important to to yeah um, to to set this in in, in comparison. Give give a little bit of a disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, of course, um, I had some some yeah weird weird discussions. Of course, you have a lot of people not only in the social democratic party but in the whole population of austria who have never ever heard about uh, being being trans or being uh, inter or being non binary so first of all you simply have to explain to people what what this is and what this is all about and then you have people who have heard about this topic in a negative way and then it's get really really dicey and really really difficult because you have this whole prejudice about trans women uh, bathrooms and all the stuff so you have really really weird weird um, um, prejudice about trans people and then it's get really really difficult when people are online and reading fake news and all the stuff mm, another thing that i've noticed when you're talking about your political career is that you never call your party socialist but social democrat is that's that's probably uh like policy within the party do you do you also prefer social democrat over socialist yourself um i switch sometimes uh but yeah the official title of our party is of course social democratic party but it was going on a big 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 discussions uh, till today because in the 90s yeah early early uh early 90s um um, we changed our name from, from the Socialist Party to the Social Democratic Party. And um, yeah, for the people, there were like big discussions um, going on. Is the Social Democratic Party now a center party or leftist party? But I think it, it's, it's not about the name. It's about the history of our party and about our acting. I, I think this is much, much more important um, than this whole label things. Are we now socialists or social democrats? So yeah, I think it doesn't matter that much. 
I think it makes sense that the change came in the early 90s because then obviously just after, you know, the fall of the Berlin Wall and stuff and it's kind of like an extension of the Red Scare um, where, you know, socialist became a word associated with the scary uh, Soviet uh, Soviet Union. It's like, okay, let's change to a less threatening social democratic instead of socialist. And, and in that case, it makes sense. Um do you see yourself as a leftist or a centrist person? Um, it depends on uh, when you ask me this question uh, 10 years ago, I would definitely have said um, I'm, I'm a center politics uh, person. But nowadays, um, my center perspective of politics uh, are counted as, as left politics nowadays because the, the discussion in the, in the political field has shifted that much to the far right that when you're sitting here and saying um, that uh, it's a human right um, that to seek asylum and, and, and such things, then you're counted to be to be a leftist. And it's, it's really absurd. But nowadays, I think um, you, have, you have no other choice when you want to fight against the, 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 the far right um, to stand there and say, okay, no, we're not, we're not part of this and we have to be leftist um, to stop that. Yeah, it's that Overton window shifting, right? So whereas uh, at some point everyone would agree housing is a human right. Now when you say, hey, let's actually make sure everyone ha has a roof above their head, all of a sudden you're a, you're a leftist. I'm definitely left let's let's not let's not get any doubt about that in the world i just wanted to you know i would want to get some get some discussion going on about this because in my twitter bubble or reddit bubble or wherever um people react negatively to centrists what are your thoughts about that like they're they're being claimed to be bootlickers because they're willing to cooperate with right-wing parties how what's what's your view on that I think it's it's a hobby of leftists uh, teasing other lefties. Um, I think that makes makes us lefties. It seems to be we really like uh, the discussion about things. But in certain moments like that, when you have uh, a rise of the far right, um, we should all stand together. And um, the, the the centrist people, um, as I mentioned, yeah, back ten years ago, you can call yourself a centrist, but when you have normal political perspectives about human rights, you are now a lefty. And I know a lot of people won't like this, this label uh, being left. Uh, as, as, as you mentioned earlier, so they want, wanted to be called a communist and all the stuff. Uh, for example, when you look to the, to the United States, when you're, when you're telling the people about uh, universal health care, you're a communist uh, in their eyes. So it's, it's, it's really absurd. But I think, as I said, we shouldn't we shouldn't focus on this on this uh, on this debates about labels, but just uh, act. So as as you said, uh, social housing that it's a human right, uh, basic health care for everyone, etc. etc. Let's get let's get back to some music. Uh, I I'd love to talk further about leftist infighting. Um, I've heard I I don't remember if I heard this quote somewhere or if I read it. I don't even remember what the quote is, but the gist of it is: was left uh, leftists are always infighting for the same reason architects are always disagreeing with each other, uh, for the same reason right wing people are always agreeing, for the same reason arsonists are always agreeing. I guess we've just got different ideas of how to build a house instead of how to burn it down. Um, once again, there's a link to social housing. I'm loving it. Uh, back to the music. Lincoln Park, bleed it out. There we go. Yeah, here we 
shine Going out of my fucking mind Filthy mouth, no excuse Find a new place to hang this noose String me up from atop these roofs Not it tight so I won't get loose Truth is you can stop and stare Run myself out and no one cares Dug a trench out, lay down there With a shovel up out of reach somewhere Yeah, someone pour it in Make it a dirt dance floor again Say your prayers and stop it out When they bring that chorus in I bleed it out, digging deeper Just to throw it away Lincoln Park bleed it out. Minutes to midnight, 2007. It might just have been the first like album that I bought as 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 a teenager. I was 13 at the time, so you know the perfect timing to discover new music. I bought all I bought CDs before, but those were like top 40 hit compilations. Um, Minutes to Midnight by Lincoln Park was probably the first official album that I bought, um, but. Why did you uh, select Bleed It Out specifically for today? Yeah, it's uh, funny that you mentioned because it was also my first album ever I bought. It was from Linkin Park. So yeah, that's that's the reason why I choose a, a Linkin Park song. And uh, I visited a lot of uh, Linkin Park uh, concerts. And uh, the most my most favorite part uh, of Linkin Park concert were uh, when they played uh, Bleed It Out because... Yeah, it was really amazing seeing the people uh, dancing and singing to the song and listen to it. Yeah, it was really, really great. Um, w- w- set the scene. Where was it? When was it? So the first time I ever uh, watched Linkin Park uh, was on Novarock. Uh, it's a festival uh, near Vienna where a lot, a lot of um, yeah rock artists and all the stuff uh, came together. This was the first time. It was my first festival and it was... Um, the, the first time I ever ever watched uh, Linkin Park and it was yeah such such a great time and such a great amazing experience uh, and um, yeah then we decided uh, every time when Linkin Park came to Austria um, that we will visit their concerts and yeah it was really interesting because um, they never ever managed uh, to come to Vienna so it was always some kind of road trip uh, going out uh, from from Vienna and uh, get to see Linkin Park um, we visit them in Graz and in Linz and uh, yeah, also in Burgenland at the Nova Rock. So yeah, it was really cool, cool, amazing experiences. Yeah, I could have seen Linkin Park at a festival once uh, back in 2017. Um, they were playing Rockwerchter in Belgium. I had tickets for Sunday. They were playing on Saturday. I could have peeked over one of the fences to kind of see what's going on. Um, I still regret not 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 peeking over that their fence to 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 watch Linkin Park on what would have 
turned out to be their final tour. But yeah, no, it's 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 amazing what how how omnipresent Lincoln Park seems to be in the development of like kids in general, like people who were kids in like the two thousands. Lincoln Park always seemed to be some cornerstone. Why why would why would you think that is? Um, of course, because they tried uh, tried out new things, and of course uh, because uh, their their lead singer. Yeah, everyone uh, felt related to his song, for example, uh, Breaking the Habit, um, which was such an emotional, uh, heartwarming, touching song from him. And I think, yeah, it was at that time that a lot of people can relate to, to this music, uh, feeling the emotion um, in his songs and in his voice. So, yeah, I think that's the reason why they got so famous. So you said you've seen Linkin Park live both um, at concerts and in like club shows. Uh, which one did you prefer? Uh, I liked, of course, uh, much more the, the, the concert experience than the, the experience on a festival because you were much closer to the band. And uh, I think, yeah, it was... And, and when you're on a festival, um, you have that, that many musical impressions. So... I think it's also another experience uh, compared uh, to to a single concert. So um, I've seen um, on your again on your on your Instagram, you've got like different concert pictures and, and videos on there, from like uh, Dropkick Murphys, Mumford and Sons, um, a couple of more. I think maybe I don't remember. Does your obvious love for concerts also translate into political work? For example, do you also fight for for, for more? government spending on cultural institutions like concert locations and concert halls uh yes of course it's also a big part of my uh, political work uh, work as i mentioned i also worked uh, in, in the field of cultural politics and cultural pro programs and also especially um because of the the global pandemic um, it's really really hard for artists uh, raising up money uh, having um, gigs and all the stuff so it's also really important that uh, the political system supports um, artists and the music and their art and all the stuff and it's also a tradition in Vienna that we also want um, to support small artists um, and then we can also be proud of it and uh, that you have much going on in Vienna so it's it's really important and yeah we also try to set up new concerts locations uh, it's called uh, the near near St. Mark's. So we have one main concert hall. It's the the, the Stadthalle. So we try to not, uh, to set up another one. But the most important thing is about the the small local, um, yeah, clubs and music clubs and features. So that's that's really important that we keep them alive because uh, yeah they have a really really hard time because of COVID. So for example, those those small clubs where where bands may or may not be able to play. Say I I would I would go to Vienna again in the near future. What are some of the best like local joints where where the coolest bands might play might be playing? Oh my God! Yeah, you have you have a great variety of stuff. But uh, I think I would say Chelsea is also a good tip to seeing cool bands and all the stuff. It depends on 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 your taste. What what you like? Uh, also, uh, B seventy two also has some kind of uh, new startup uh, artists and all the stuff. But there are so many events in in local bars and and all the stuff. And also, it's happening uh, a lot um, outside on the streets. Um, it was also focused um, from our city council. It was called uh, Kultursommer. So 
that the artists can go out because it's much more safe about because of the pandemic and then we also managed uh, to give a lot of space uh, for small artists and bands and it was really amazing when you walk down the streets uh, and you have playing a band and yeah it's really really cool so um you obviously linkin park being like a stadium size act are there some smaller bands you remember seeing like in one of those small local joints that really made an impression on you and you still listen to? Um, yes, of course. Um, there are some, some friends of mine, they had uh, some like of cover bands and all the stuff. And I think their interpretation of the songs were really, really cool. And also some of my friends, um, they're in the hip hop genre. So they're making small concerts. So it's also really nice um yeah when you experience them in such a such a close setting and yeah that's i think that's that's a cool cool thing about it so uh, how does this practically influence your your day to day like you're you're being part of a small muni- you're being part of the municipal council and uh you wake up one morning thinking okay now i'm going to sign some papers that will send some money to this this here local local club like i i bet it's not that easy no of course not it's not that easy yeah um damn capitalism yeah it's always about money um my my district um i'm a member of the district parliament of the ninth district um we have a population about 40 43000 uh, people and our overall budget um is about 4 to 5 uh, million euros so we're not that rich and uh, not that big numbers and each year uh 150,000 euros uh, go to the to the small local cultural events and um we managed to raise up that uh, money during covid and had some some extra money for cultural things going on outside and uh, during the the summer period and to being transparent, um, who gets uh, money from the state and, and the support from the state, uh, we have um, like like a commission, a council, it's called a Kulturkommission, um, which is located in our district and there are the members of the other parties and um, yeah, I know it's a little bit of bureaucracy, but uh, then they have uh, to sign papers to artists and uh, they can present the projects and all the stuff. And then we can check it up um, with the authorities and all the stuff. And if, if it is possible, then, then we can give small amounts of money. But as, as a local district, we not have that big budget. So it's much more important that the, the, the government, the federal state... Uh, also um, managed to support uh, this this initiatives and there we also come and play because uh, we can try to set up networks and help to try uh, to present cool initiatives uh, from from local cultural things um, to the to the head of the state um, for for cultural things. How do you make sure, um, as someone living in Vienna, you know the the beautiful city of big up, upper class classical music and opera culture. How do you make sure that um, all of the government spending doesn't just go to classical institutions like opera or operette or whatever? Um, like how do, how do you make sure that, for example, the government also supports hip hop or, or, or dance? 
I think it's really important um, that you have a big variety in, in arts. And uh, yes, of course, it's an important part about Vienna, uh, the, the opera, the classical music and all the stuff. But as you mentioned, um, there is going um, a, a big amount of money uh, into these uh, sectors. And you don't have to forget about the, the, the small clubs and the alternative um, directions of art um, you also have to support. And so we set up uh, regulations um, for, the, for the money who we want to support that uh, you have more aspects of diversity and gender and all the stuff. So I think it's also important that the high cultural things like the opera have much more in mind about the, pro uh, about the programs and projects. The, the, the gender perspective and uh, marginalized groups and that's that maybe art is yeah free in their acting um, but also take take place in this all um, yeah community debate as someone who grew up, grew up um, and uh, spending a lot of time in the theater is that still notable in like your your political career um, yes, I like to go to theaters, um, but not not that not that much anymore. I think um, so. It's not so. It's not like you growing up in a theater now is causing you to think. I really enjoy musical theater. Let's uh, let's try and send a little bit more bucks their way. Uh, of course, of course. I think the the, the, the things when you when you're touched uh, with 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 topics in in your life and. Uh, it make it makes it makes you thinking much more political because when you're seeing our uh, actors um, who are working for minimum wage uh, wage and uh, they really really struggle uh, to 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 get their projects running and to having a chance to present themselves and all the stuff, um, you're putting much much more efforts uh, to help these people because you know what it's what it's like for them to working in this business and it's it's a really really hard business and. I think it's important that uh, you've worked in like the the civil or normal world uh, to to be a good politician because if you have never experienced these things and if you have never ever had contact with with these people, um, I think you're not not that good um, helping them for for this cause. All right. Um, well, then to name an example of like a small uh, upcoming artist you may or may not have had contact with. Um, then we're we're closing the show today with Gazal um, Regenbogen Love, a queer artist from Vienna. What what made you select her music for today? Uh, yeah, one of the reasons is uh, of course because I know her personal, and I really admire her work and um, yeah her inspirational uh, work and 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 being being an artist because. She managed to have a regular nine to five job and she always loved hip hop and she was always like, okay, why are there not that many queer uh, female artists? And um, she wanted to make, make her own music and showing that, that um, there are women in hip hop. And I think it's, it's really, really cool. And I want, want to support her and her music. And I think it's really important that hip hop is not about toxic masculinity so, but that you have a cool cool female artist so i think it's a good good thing for the scene this has been queer sounds if you want to support this show financially you can do so through patreon.com slash queer sounds there you can get access to um the queer sounds discord as well as a collection of queer sounds stickers that will be sent to your home 
If you don't want to support the show financially, but you still want to do something, tell a friend, drop us a line on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. That's all at Queer Sounds Pod. And with that, uh, I want to thank Dominic for coming on to the show. And I want to thank y'all for listening. This is Regenbogen Love. Love, love.